Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to this, our final, uh, final talk on Breathe, on the Holy Spirit, and uh, kind of coming into land, if you like, on what, for me personally, has been uh, a really wonderful adventure, looking at who he is, looking at who the Holy Spirit is. And we've explored, haven't we, so many ways uh, that the Holy Spirit is at work. Uh, we've compared him to fire, to water, compared him to the wind that carries the boat. If you think of right at the beginning of the series, that image of us getting our sails set into the wind of the Holy Spirit at the start of the year, saying, Holy Spirit, would you lead us? Would you guide our lives through troubled times? Uh, those sort of analogies of what the Holy Spirit looks like. He is our advocate, we've said. He's our counsellor. He's our comforter. He's our friend. And he always points us to Jesus. He points us to Jesus. He reveals who Jesus is to us. And he's given us gifts, which we've explored during the last couple of weeks. He's given us gifts for the pouring out of his kingdom, for the evidence of his kingdom, not only here on a Sunday, but more importantly, out in the world, where you and I go, our everyday living, as Nate's reminded us, our everyday going out and making a difference where we are because he lives in us. But the question comes, I guess, what about us? What does that mean, actually, in our day-to-day? -day? We've explored much of the theory. We've looked at who he is. But how do we know him better? And how do we see those unsuddenly moments in our lives, both big and small, where we know categorically that he has stepped in? Uh, I don't know if you're a fan of Dr. Michael Mosley. I'm a big fan of his. And he's given us seven tips for healthy living that he's just released. And uh, he talks about breathing. And it sounds such a simple thing, doesn't it? You know, do we really need to be advised to breathe? That's kind of one thing we do well. But actually, he says, no, let's look at how we breathe and let's go deeper with it. And he does this little exercise where you breathe in for four, you hold for two, and then you breathe out. And I thought, well, that's really weird because I would never think to do that. I would never really think to just stop and breathe like that. And I love the fact, he also says, by the way, that coffee is really good for you, which is another reason I like him. He also says beetroot is good, which is less good news for me because it's, uh, it's my nemesis. But he talks about the power of breathing. And when we've looked at the Holy Spirit, we have looked at breathing, if you like, because what we breathe in, we breathe out. What we breathe in, we breathe out. And there's a naturalness to it that I've loved. Not a weirdness necessarily, but a naturalness that's come across in many of the talks. The natural with the supernatural as we go about our day to day. So what about you and I? Well, I don't know if you've seen this photograph. Uh, it's one photo of the year. Uh, I love it. Um, and when you look at it, it may not be easy to see on the screen, I don't know. When you look at it, you first think that the zebras are the shadows. So you look at it and you think it's a load of zebras. But as you zoom in on it, you see that actually the zebra, the stripy bit, is on the ground. In other words, what you're drawn to is the shadow, and then you see the stripy and you see that actually the zebra's shadow is what you are seeing. And I love that picture. It's obviously a moment in time. It's captured really brilliantly, I think, and one photo of the year. But in a way, our lives are a little bit like this. 
that actually as we breathe more of Jesus in, as we breathe in more of his Holy Spirit, our heart is to look more like Jesus. Though in the end, we almost don't know where he begins and we end. That actually we're functioning, we're exploring daily who the Holy Spirit is, who Jesus is, and pointing people to Jesus so that, if you like, wherever we go, we leave the shadow of him. We leave an impact on the world, whatever it is that we're doing. And Paul, more than anyone, knows how conflicted we feel about this. Because you might be sitting there thinking, well, I'm doing really well with that, and everybody I work with knows exactly who I am and what I stand for. And others of you might be thinking, well, I'm feeling really fragile. My hallelujah is broken. I'm not quite sure that I'm reflecting God. But actually, all of us, Every single one of us who are people of prayer, who are people who breathe in God's Holy Spirit, even if it's just you send up a little prayer on your way into work or on your run in the morning or whatever it is you're doing, we take on a little bit more of heaven's power, of kingdom power as we go out into our world. You bring a little bit more light into the darkness around you, wherever it is that you're going. There's a quote from Stoddard Kennedy's poem that the soldier says, uh, he does say it's a man but it's equally true for a woman. He says, I am a man and a man is a mixture right down to his very birth for part of him comes from heaven and part of him comes from the earth. We know we're conflicted. We are human, we are fallen, we are broken, but we contain the Holy Spirit within us. We breathe him in every day. And whether you have brilliant quiet times, whether you have snatched quiet times, whether you feel really, really deep with God at the moment or whether you feel really removed from him, as we've heard through Lindsay, which I thought was a beautiful word, he has not forgotten us. He has not forgotten you. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for us as Riverside Church. And we're going to look as we come into land at the plan he has for us individually, but also what about us here at Riverside in tricky times to navigate. So in verse 15, Paul says this to the Ephesians. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. And I was really struck rereading the passage by that particular bit. That's the bit I highlighted. Be careful how we live. We know we can ask the Holy Spirit for the gift of wisdom. But how do we make the most of every opportunity? And I think it starts with us and the Holy Spirit each day saying, show me this world as you see it. Give me eyes to see my friends, my family, my colleagues through your eyes to see them differently, to see them distinctly. And even if that's as much a prayer as you're able to do, God will meet with you in that because we're looking at our day through different eyes. 1 Corinthians 14, as we've been reminded, says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. So we don't want the gifts just so that we look great. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spiritual gift. For the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, their encouragement and their comfort. So what interests me is the work of the Holy Spirit pouring out of us is always for the edifying of those around us, for the building up of those around us. 
for the light shining in the darkness. I've been reading a new book that's just out since lockdown uh, by Bill Corsack called That Gentle Whisper. I really recommend it. And he talks about learning with God, almost the muscle of discernment and sharing words with people, words of discernment. Now, that's something, Sarah mentioned it briefly, but that's something in the Bible that happens a lot. Jesus has words of discernment. We've had two this morning on the chat. Words of knowledge that are actually the whisper of the Holy Spirit for you to give to someone else. Those discernments, those words of knowledge. Jesus had one, if you remember, when he meets the Samaritan woman. He's chatting to her. It's all very natural. It's not weird. They're having a drink together. He's even said, would you like to get me a drink? They're sitting down having a drink of water. And then he starts to say, go and call your husband. And then she says, oh, that's a bit awkward. And he says, yeah, you know, you've been with five different husbands. He has, if you like, a word of knowledge. But he does it naturally. It's not weird. He does it really naturally. And she goes off and tells everyone that she's met someone who's told her everything about her life. Bill Horsack, in his book, talks about, uh, he's a church leader, and he talks about a day where he sees a guy standing at the back of the church, really disengaged. Not like any of you, obviously, you all look beautiful. But he's standing there. His whole body language is totally off. Um, and he preaches, and he sees that the man's body language doesn't change and he just thinks, what's going on with that guy? And he remembers he's maybe seen them once or twice before, doesn't know who he is. And he says, Lord, what can I say to him? What can I say to him that will help him today? Just a simple prayer. What can I say to him? What can I give him? And he says he just saw this man in a suit and he just thought of him in a tailored suit, all perfectly bespoke made for the guy. And he kept seeing it and he thought, well, that's weird. I'll keep that to myself. Um, And he said, maybe that's just a prompt for him to pray for him in the week. But the guy's still there, disengaged. No one's really going towards him. He looks a little bit, sort of perhaps a bit aggressive. I don't know. Maybe I'm embellishing. And so he walks over and he just says, "Ah, I can't remember your name. He says, oh, hi, Richard. Shakes his hand, uh, speaks to him. And he says, Richard, he said, I just saw you when I was praying for you just now, wearing a tailored suit. And I felt God wanted to say to you, he has a fit for you that nobody else has. He's created, if you like, a life, a bespoke life, a purpose for you that nobody else can give but God. And, and I just wondered if that means anything. And he said, if it doesn't, don't worry about it. You look pretty smart as you are and so on. And the man just says, oh, yeah, thanks very much. And he says, would you mind if I prayed? And the guy says, yeah, okay, sort of thing. And it will be one of those ones where probably all of us would go away perhaps feeling a little bit embarrassed or foolish. I know I would, you know, driving away thinking, really? That didn't seem to go down particularly. But a year later, that guy came back to church And he was really going with God. And he said that when he stood at the back of church the year before, he had dared God to speak to him. And he'd even said a prayer where he said, I'll only believe you're real if that guy, the guy that's preaching, tells me something about my life that nobody else could have known. Now, he risked it, didn't he? And probably for a year, he might have thought, oh, do you remember that cringy moment, God, when I went up and said the cringy thing? But actually, we have to trust, even if people's reactions aren't always what we would want them to be, that the Holy Spirit is alive and active and gives us, he may not give you those words in that way, he might give you a picture, he might give you a Bible verse, as we hear in this passage, but he is alive and active. And how do we stay in step with his Holy Spirit? We crave his presence. 
I was with a friend yesterday who said, actually, when she thinks of the Holy Spirit, sometimes we think more of the presence, the gifts, than the presence, spelled C-E, in terms of his presence with us. That as we drink him in, as we breathe him in, we then carry him with us. Life with the Spirit. And exciting because we have the privilege of sharing truth with people. And then Paul goes on in verse 16 to say, the days are evil. And surely we would agree, wouldn't we? Here at Riverside Church at the moment, we only have to switch on the news or read something to think the, the days are evil. It feels like evil is encroaching, moving in. And we think, you know, we almost feel sometimes incapacitated to know how to pray, what to do. But it's only a couple of verses later that he says, the days are evil, be filled with the Spirit. In other words, if we think the world is a mess, and I think most of us would agree it's not looking great, what's on us is to keep filled with the Holy Spirit to keep filled with him, to keep breathing him in so that we go out in battle. Because it is a battle. It's a battle externally and it's a battle internally sometimes. Some of you know a story and I've shared it here quite a few times before and I've written about it. It is one of my favourite stories. I'm not going to share the whole thing because we don't have time. But some of you may remember that I met a woman who used to be a witch when I was touring years ago. Uh, she hosted me at a time in my life where I was very vulnerable and she was very vulnerable, and uh, she had worshipped the devil for many, many years and had come to faith through three people praying for her every day as she walked the school run, and they would just see her and pray for her in, in their hearts and together. And uh, when finally her whole life fell apart and it looked like she was going to lose her children, she found herself compelled for no reason other than God, just turning up at one of their doors and saying, I am lost, help me. And she fell into the arms of one of these women who'd been praying for her for many years and just said, help me. And the woman called her husband. They prayed for her. Uh, she was filled with the Holy Spirit there and then. And some amazing work done in her heart. After years of worshipping the devil, the prayers of people faithfully praying for her on the school run broke in and there she was filled with the Holy Spirit but the story went on and this was her story to me that she missed the church she missed this satanic group that she was part of because she didn't feel she fitted in normal church she didn't make friends easily she felt people sort of thought she was a bit other and they didn't warm, warmly welcome her so because she missed her friend she walked back in to the satanic worship just one more time to see if maybe she could toy with that again but the holy spirit was living within her and as she walked in she was late she walked in she thought she could just hide walked in to try and sit on one of the back rows and the guy leading the session said get out of here get out of here there's a, there is something in you that's too strong for us please leave please leave please leave until she had to go now she was probably a five-week-old christian she won't have had long, long times necessarily of devotion, but she was filled with the Holy Spirit. She was hungry for him, and she was carrying his presence. And that's the power that we have within us. The power that raised Jesus from the dead lives and works in us, whether we see it always or not. And evil cowers in your path, whether you know it or not. I'm living alone at the moment. That's something I never thought would happen to me. There have been times where I tangibly know God has protected my home and me. Tangibly. 
I could tell you and probably have told a few of you times when that's happened because God is a powerful God. His Holy Spirit is our shield, he's our protector, and he's at work even when sometimes we can't see him. We read in 1 John 4 that the one who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. He is more powerful. I read this week that we have 30,000 thoughts a day. 30,000 thoughts a day, and that's 31 thoughts per waking minute. (laughs) That's a lot of things going on in our head, isn't it? Sometimes I feel like I have more than that. I don't know about you, but that's the average anyway. So what do we do with those thoughts? Because some of them are really good and beautiful and pleasing and attract the Holy Spirit, but some of them really aren't. Some of them really aren't that great. So actually, how do we then seek his presence so that he calms and orders our thoughts. There's a great quote um, in one of the studies that I've been doing on spiraling thoughts, toxic thoughts, that says, God has built a way for us to escape the downward spiral of our toxic thoughts. But rarely do we take it. We've bought into the lie that we are victims of our thoughts rather than warriors equipped to fight on the front lines of the greatest battle of our generation, the battle for our minds. And I've done that. I don't know if you've done that. I've definitely done that. I've said I can't help it. It's just how I am. I I can't help it. I, I spiral. And for me, it's a script. I don't know if anyone else has this. There's a script that goes in my mind that becomes so real, it's happened. You know, feelings become facts, so it's happened in my head, even though when I actually bring it into the light, it probably hasn't happened at all. But I could have spent a long time wrestling with that. But the Holy Spirit says, no, don't go there. And Paul is saying that actually we get to be transformed. If we stay in step with the Holy Spirit, he will order our thoughts. He will move them towards thoughts that lead to life and good and godliness and not to death. And and in our mental health struggles, he can help us. We can be warriors equipped to fight. C.S. Lewis in Screwtape Letters uh, says a brilliant thing about the work of the devils. These are fictional devils, but there's a lot of resonance, I think. He says, it's funny how mortals always picture us, these little devils, putting things into their minds when our best work is done by keeping the truth out. As ever, C.S. Lewis nailing it, in my opinion. You know, that's so true. It's not necessarily we've got these enemies whispering to us. It's just actually we need more truth in our minds to order those thoughts so that when we read the Bible, when whatever it is that we do, whether we have our prayer time, whether we have our worship music on, we're taking in the truth. We're bringing the light in so that we are people of light and truth. And the more that we take in, the more we will recognize his voice. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. Paul then says, don't get drunk on wine. Now, this is random for me. So in the middle of this passage about the Holy Spirit, there's suddenly, (laughs) there's a few people giggling and nudging each other here. Um, But he suddenly says, don't get drunk on wine. I'm thinking, well, this isn't a, a sudden talk on holy living, is it? It's a bit random that he says that. But then he says, but be filled with the Spirit. 
And this is a helpful comparison. The church that he was writing to, they used to have two massive gatherings. The gatherings where people got totally drunk, it was going on in those days, and the gatherings of the early church. And we know even at Pentecost that they would, they would accused, if you like, of being drunk rather than being under the influence of the Holy Spirit, which is what was happening. And so Paul, if you like, is, is categorizing those, he's comparing those two gatherings, that there were gatherings going on where people were just living at large and getting drunk, and there was the early church. And he's saying, be under that influence. Be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Be a person of light and not of darkness. So he says, instead of being filled with all that, be filled with my Holy Spirit. Don't, don't let that take away your godly influence. And I think all of us and all of you working hard day in, day out are people under the influence. And I was praying yesterday for us as church and I was praying for a picture or a word and finding it really hard. I even walked up and down the high street a bit and just said, God, what do you want to say to Riverside Church? And the thing that really, I guess, God highlighted was we are people under the influence. That's what he's longing for. He wants us to go out tomorrow, today, wherever we are, I'm going to the tip this afternoon. I'm not sure what that will look like, being under the influence. Maybe I have to let someone in ahead of me. I don't know. But we are people under the influence of the Holy Spirit that are living differently, distinctively, not because we're great, but because he is and he lives in us. He has power for us and he is within us. So we live under the influence. It was really great to go into Matt Morgan's school this week and just to see the brilliant day that he had put on for the upper school, I think, was it Matt or the whole school? Upper school. And to see RPA were in there uh, looking at mental health, doing a play on that. Mel and I went in, chatted a bit about what happens here at Riverside Church. And all of those students who are being challenged to think, what about living for a higher purpose? What does that look like? How brilliant that he put that day on because it's under the influence. And there'll be examples from all of our lives where we're trying to point people to Jesus, while we're trying to say, look, we're living for something that is greater than this world. We're living for a kingdom that is beyond this one. And can I just say, that is why I do think we're going to do something a bit more radical in a minute, because I do think we need, as a church, to step forward into the things of the Spirit. We've explored it. We've had great response. But actually, God's heart for us is, come on, Riverside Church. Take it out there. Take it out to the people. They are hungry. They are desperate. They are bewildered. And we have found beautiful peace and joy in who Jesus is. I was praying with someone in prayer ministry just um, very recently. And I just said, I really think that the Lord wants to give you the gift of healing. And we've been praying about something else. And I said, does that sort of sound right? And she said, oh, it's really weird because this week we were playing a game and we were asked what superpower we wanted. And, you know, loads of people probably wanted to be invisible and all of that sort of thing, which sounds great. But she said, funnily enough, I just said, I want to see healing. You know, it's just an ordinary little joke thing that had happened, but it had exposed something in her heart that God then said, yeah, that's what my Holy Spirit is doing. He's doing something. And he's done it in me during this series. He exposed something that was going on with me. I shared that I was getting disproportionately nervous um, before speaking, before acting, still do. But it was getting disproportionate. Um, and I found just by watching a video that actually some of that anxiety was coming not from a good place. 
It was, it was a fear of failure, actually. And I watched the video, and it said, sometimes we go after the leaves of what's going wrong in us when God wants to take us to the root. That actually we think, well, why is this happening? And he said, no, Judy, I want to work with the root. So I went for prayer ministry, and the person who prayed for me said, oh, Judy, I don't know if this makes sense, but God says uh, he's working on the end of the root. <laughs> and I, bam, I knew exactly what that was. And then I went to see Lois Cuthbert for confessional time. And, uh, and she was brilliant, you know, just said, okay, we're just going to deal with that. But it's a chain of people involved, all working and ministering in the Holy Spirit. So for us personally, Paul says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And for us as Riverside Church, at the end of the passage, and I'm going to read this bit in the Passion uh, paraphrase because I love it. He says this, and your hearts will overflow with a joyful song to the Lord. Keep speaking to each other with words of scripture. Always give thanks for every person that he brings into your life. And I don't know about you, but that last bit lands with me. Because it's quite easy to thank God for some people, isn't it? Not so easy for others. You think, well, yeah, I'll take that person, but that's more tricky. But to thank God for every person that he brings into your life. And at the early church was a thankful church. The early church was a singing church. It had a joy that made people sing. The early church was a thankful church. And one thing that I'd noticed is Paul says they were still dazzled by the wonder of the gospel. They were still in awe of the wonder of Jesus. Dane Ortland, in his new book, says, left in neutral, and, and really listen up for this bit, because I think this is important. Left in neutral, all of us tend to slide away from the wonder of the gospel. Left in neutral, all of us tend to slide away from the wonder of the gospel. What was different about the early church is they were full of it. They were so full of the wonder of the gospel that they looked like the drunken people. Not because they were being particularly weird, but they were full of joy. And the Holy Spirit increases our love for Jesus, increases our love for each other, and increases our love for the lost in the world as we go out. But we wondered if, whether you're at home doing church at home or whether you're here in the room, um, this is a recommissioning at the end of our series of Breathe to say, we are your people and we want to be even more under your influence. We want to go from here renewed by the Holy Spirit. Paul was a man who had seen the darkest of times, whose life was transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit. And he was conflicted. He had warring things going on in him, but he knew he was being transformed by the renewing of his mind. 